Oh Lord God, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you this morning for your mercy. Lord, that you look down upon us in our helpless state and came and rescued us, Lord. Lord, you laid down your whole life for our sake that we might be healed and restored and given eternal life, brought into fellowship with you and your Father and the Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to respond rightly and to live into the fullness of all that you have for us as your disciples, as your children, as those redeemed through your blood. We thank you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, good morning. Glad to see everyone. Uh, I mentioned Father Chris is up in Thomasville, so Lord be with Father Chris and help him proclaim the gospel faithfully up there. Uh, we're going to look, I want to look at our New Testament reading uh, from Colossians this morning, if you want to flip there with me. I learned, I remember a preacher way long ago taught me General Electric Power Company to find these uh, smaller epistles, so Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, <laughs> Philippians, Colossians. So that's, cool. that's one of those things that stuck for me, so maybe it'll stick for you all too. <laughs> Or go eat popcorn. All these things work. So, so if you're in Ephesians, you're you're close, like I am. We're in Colossians chapter one. Man, I'm having trouble getting there. I should have marked it. So if you're if you beat me there, uh, thank you very much. So page twelve fifty one in your pew Bible, or you can pull it up on your phone. So Colossians is a letter written by uh, Paul while he was in prison. He's, it's one of the prison epistles uh, written to a church that he himself had not founded, uh, that he didn't uh, have even necessarily, he hadn't necessarily even been there. Uh, but he was related to them through a fellow named Epaphras that we want to talk about this morning. Um, so it was a, just for background, it was a city in the province of Asia. It had been a really prominent city, but it was kind of declining by the time of Jesus. Jesus's day, but uh, still uh, there was a big population there who came to faith, as we see in the beginning here, as we kind of read through. I really want to focus on verse 7 to the end, but we'll read through. We'll see that the, the church was really thriving there. The letter was written, it sounds like, to contradict some false teaching that was coming in when you get through the letter, uh, but we won't necessarily get into that overtly here. But So let's just begin together and just read the first few verses together. Uh, the first half of our reading this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. So Paul's writing to these uh, believers 
in Colossae, who uh, he's thanking God. He does this in his letters. He thanks God for them and for what God's doing. You see that their uh, love and faith are abounding. Uh, they're connected to the hope they have in Christ. Uh, they've heard the gospel of truth and believed it. And it's bearing fruit uh, in their lives and in, through them in the world around them. Uh, since the day they heard it, he says, uh, and understood, the day they heard and understood the grace of God and truth. So it sounds like a good situation to be in a, a growing, uh, thriving church there. And I want to pay attention here to this next verse in verse 7. He says, just as you learned it, so it's bearing fruit and increasing since you heard it and understood it, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Paul had not been uh, to Colossae. Uh, Epaphras took it. Now, for a, we're in a season in our church where we're really seeking the Lord for vision. Uh, you know, we've been uh, the Lord's put us in a place where the church, our church, little church, is declining. It's not. Uh, we're not alone in declining. There's lots of just the general trend in America as the church is declining. I've talked about this autopsy of a deceased church book. People always want me to not talk about that in church, especially up here, because it scares off everybody. Uh, but it's a great book, and it's actually become the number one bestseller in church leadership genre all time. And the reason is because so many churches are like ours, older, declining, and uh, and seeking answers, or sadly not, and, and dying. So we're in that place, and we've been really seeking the Lord. Lord, what do we do? And our vestry and I have been wrestling through it. And people come to me, many of you have come to me and say, what's your growth plan, Father Daniel? <laughs> Which is a great question to ask. And I reflect back to you all, and I, I'm just going to throw this out there because I asked it last week. I want you to keep thinking about it. Why do you want people to come to Holy Cross? <laughs> well, all glory to the Lord. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, we wrestled through that. So I want you to keep wrestling through that question. Why do I want people to come to Holy Cross? Because I think a lot of it, you know, we say, well, we need people to help keep going with what we're going, which is fine and dandy. To hear the message, uh, to hear the gospel of truth and believe and bear fruit, uh, that motivates me. Uh, so if we can do that effectively. So I've been wrestling with what's my growth plan. And I'll tell you this morning, I want to look at my growth plan and call it the Epaphras plan. Uh, the Epaphras plan. The way I've said it before, we had a meeting a few, couple weeks ago after church and I called it lay missionary pastors. That's a big part of what my growth plan is that I think is from the Lord. In this situation, Paul did not go to this town and preach the gospel to these people. He didn't have any direct relationship with the people there. Epaphras did. If you read in the book of Acts, you see that Paul, first he, didn't, he couldn't get into Asia, if you remember. Uh, the Holy Spirit was preventing him from, from getting there on his first missionary journey, but he made it the second time, and he went to the town of Ephesus, which was a larger town uh, in the same area. And he was there in Ephesus for actually three years, preaching. He was in the synagogue for the first year. This is Acts 19, if you want to flip there, go home and read about it. He was there for three years, first in the synagogue, and they sort of kicked him out, weren't happy with him, so he went to the, the lecture hall, and it says he was there daily teaching the gospel to folks. And through that, it says that all the province of Asia heard the gospel. So here in our uh, gospel today, or our, our New Testament reading today, we kind of get a little glimpse of how that played out. Clearly a man named Epaphras uh, 
heard the, the gospel, learned from Paul, and then went back to his hometown. Uh, flip with me to the chapter four of Colossians. We'll see a little bit more about Epaphras. So it's a couple pages back. Paul's writing his final greetings uh, there, which he often does in his letters, and he gets to verse 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So Epaphras, it turns out, was actually with Paul when he wrote this letter, and if we actually see in, the, in Philemon he comes up, uh, Paul mentions him as a fellow prisoner. At some point he ended up being arrested with Paul. Don't know if it's coincident with writing this letter or not. So Paul's plan to reach Colossae was not to be there, it was through Epaphras. Now that was actually God's plan to reach. So I believe that's a model for us. It's a model that has been really God's model throughout the history of the church is that people hear the gospel, receive it, and then take it to others. I think it's specifically an encouragement uh, to us as a church right now. A lot of our thinking has been, well, we wanna get people to church to hear Father Daniel, right? Or Father Chris, because they can really preach it. And if that's the case, praise be to God. But I wanna encourage us to start thinking a totally different way, maybe not a totally different way, but significantly different way, that people might hear the gospel through some of us. That some of us might be burdened with the call of God to take the gospel to people that don't know it. Here, uh, Epaphras, it sounds like, went back to his hometown and preached the gospel to them. Now, he had obviously been discipled well through Paul, and he took what he learned and, and took it there. I think last week's gospel, we, we talked about Jesus sending out the 72, if you remember. Uh, not the 12, but now the 72. That, they weren't the elite spiritual you know, inner core of his 12 disciples that he was sending out. It was the average Joes among his disciples. And he commissioned them with authority and said, go out wherever place where I'm intending to go and go prepare, prepare the way, preach the, the good news of the kingdom there. Heal the sick. Teach them about the kingdom of God coming. That's God's plan always. It's interesting when you look here, it says that uh, the Ephesians learned the, God, the good news, the grace of God and understood it from Epaphras. The Greek word there is manthano. And it, it really means they learned it. It's not like a lot of times Paul said you believe the gospel or you receive the gospel. They learned it. God's plan for the gospel is that people learn it through other people. Now Paul was one who, his initial contact was with Jesus through a a vision and then he really learned most of it through direct contact with the risen Lord. But even that, God used people, beginning with Ananias, uh, to minister to him and then he took that gospel and it was confirmed by the other apostles. But generally after that, We learn the gospel through other people. Take a minute and reflect in your life right now, who have I learned the gospel of Jesus from? Now I can think of lots of people in my life that God has used. Sometimes the most powerful uh, 
learning of the gospel, the most significant was through direct personal interaction. Now I learned a lot of gospel through Jim Hobby, my former pastor and other pastors. I learned a lot of gospel uh, through radio preachers and TV preachers and books. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I do think the Lord disciples us that way. I learned a lot just through reading the Bible. And ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit who is our teacher, but very, I mean, really, he's gonna mediate that through people, whether they're people who've written books or preached sermons, or somebody that's gonna take us to coffee. When I look back, I, I can see the people who've invested relational time with me. That took me to lunch. I remember Charlie Van Shure when I was in college taking me to lunch once a week, wasting his time. <laughs> was he not? I mean, maybe not. In some ways, it was an inconvenience probably. He had to carve out that time on a schedule, you know, every week for multiple years. And the, the, the time together was really, hey, what's God up to in your life? can imagine here but Epaphras might have been doing the same thing with folks in his hometown. I think that's God's growth plan. Now that might make you uncomfortable and I hope it makes you uncomfortable because I'm trying to put something on you in the name of Jesus. We're uh, part of the season that I think we're in in this church here is, is to take a time really to fast and pray and seek the Lord to equip us and to identify even people who God's got a special calling on to, to be lay missionary pastors, to be Epaphras's. We had our service on Wednesday night that uh, was largely that. Just let's seek to be in the presence of the Lord and seek him uh, for equipping, empowerment, and identification of those people. So please join me in praying and, and even ask the Lord, Lord, is it me? Uh, how do you want me uh, to, fo- to follow and respond? I almost preached this morning on the gospel, uh, but I, I know we all know the story of the Good Samaritan so well. It's so scary to preach on those that everybody knows. Uh, but I don't think we know it as well as, you know, there's always more in there, but... Uh, I was convicted reading that story about God's call to have mercy on our neighbors. You know, there are a lot of people physically suffering in our world right now. But I think the deepest call to have mercy on our neighbors is for those who don't know Jesus. If you flip back, you see in uh, chapter four, what we just talked about, that Epaphras was struggling in prayer for those disciples. Flip with me and look again what uh, the Lord, or what Paul says about Epaphras in chapter four, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. He was struggling for the sake of these people and their faith and their relationship with Jesus. And it began and continued with Epaphras and prayer. I really think God's 
call, his desire is to impart to us his mercy, his heart for the people that don't know him. Who are suffering in this life presently, whether they know it or not, without him. And will ultimately suffer in hell forever without him if they don't come to know him. Now, it's, that's convicting to me because I don't have enough of that. I'm just really acutely aware that I don't have enough of God's heart for that. I get too easily distracted by just having a good time. I was listening, I don't know why I got my mind this week about the Beach Boys song about Bermuda, Bahama, come on, pretty man. You know? I was singing it all night, I don't know why. I'd rather go to the beach. You know, that's kind of what our culture says is this is what the, you know, make some money so that you can relax and retire and enjoy the good life and be a good person. You know, if somebody breaks down and has a flat tire, help them out, although we can't really do that anymore either. I mean, you're risking your life potentially. You can't do that, but you gotta be cautious. Be a good person, but try to get to the beach. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting to the beach. But I think there's a place where we can be so caught up in living our lives and trying to be happy that we miss God's heart and his heart for the lost where we find our life actually in giving our lives for that sake just as as he gave his life. So just as you learned it, this is verse seven again, from Epaphras, our beloved, faithful, beloved fellow servant. He is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So I think the Lord wants to raise up some Epaphrases in our midst. And the model, this lay missionary pastor model that I think God's wanting to birth here uh, is really very similar to this because what we transition to here is then Paul says, I've been praying for you. I heard about you through Epaphras and I've been pouring myself out in prayer for you along with him. I really feel like that's what God wants to do is to have a handful of folks anyways who say I'm willing to answer the call to just be a missionary in Tallahassee or Wakulla County or wherever, somewhere nearby enough that you can stay here and this be your home base and just go wherever the Lord says. First, just seek him. Lord, where do you want me to go? Killarne, the skating rink. I told you all last week, the skating rink is a ripe mission field. I was there with my daughter the other day. And with the prayer support of all of us, and even particularly maybe getting group up around, you know, if it's, if it's Debbie that's gonna be our lay missionary pastor, uh, then we'll get a team around Debbie to specifically pray with Debbie. Where does, where, Lord, where do you want Debbie to go? And then Debbie can report back, hey, I'm going here and I just met Joe. Will y'all join me in prayer for Joe? And then we'll pray together for Joe and then if you can enter some kind of relationship that's building you know, a, a gospel-centered uh, teaching, whether it's having coffee with them, a home group in your house, something like that, then we'll all pray together. I think that's, I mean, this here, is the, that's the model that played out here, and I think that's the model that God wants to play out in our midst. So we can learn a little bit about what 
uh, God wants to do with disciples here through the next few verses where Paul details what he's been praying. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that's the, the first thrust, the main thrust, really the kind of driving verb of what Paul is praying for these disciples. He says he's praying that they'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's interesting, we'll get to here later that the kind of the essence of what we call the gospel, that they believe in Christ who redeemed them and brought forgiveness from their sins. But here he's praying that they would be filled up with the knowledge of God's will. Now that communicates something that I think our culture sometimes misses, even our Christian culture. That, we, that really the essence is we know all about God and all about Jesus and we get it all figured out. But when you talk about will, that's, will comes from a person. There's a, a personal God out there who has a personal will for us, for all believers. I think when, you, when we read on here, we'll see that really Paul first and foremost is talking about kind of God's general will. That's true for all believers. That God, that Paul is praying that, that God's will would be known, the fullness of God's will would be known to all believers. And that really is what a disciple, when they were learning from Epaphras, that's largely what they were learning. They were learning who Jesus was. They were learning that he forgave him, them their sins. It's interesting when Paul got to Ephesus that first time, he actually met some disciples, but they were disciples of John. And he said, do you know about the the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. It turns out, it sounds like they'd never heard the whole gospel of Jesus. So he taught them just who Jesus was and that there was a, a Holy Spirit. And when they heard that, they were baptized and it says they were filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues, just like it happened on Pentecost. So first is just, yeah, getting the basics of it. But then it's learning how to walk into it. What Paul is going to say here is that you'd be filled with all wisdom, knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Disciple making is largely about that. It's about teaching people how to to live out this life as a Christian. And it takes care and struggling like Epaphras was doing to do that. It's like, I'm a Christian now. What does that mean for my marriage? Because it's really hard right now and I'm really ticked off. Have any of you been around maybe new believers? Have you had somebody in your life who's just come to faith and, and they kind of want to know these kind of, they want to know answers to these kind of things? This political stuff is really upsetting me. What is, what, how do I relate to that as a Christian? I'm in debt. Years of credit cards. How, what do I do with that? My kids are on drugs. What do I do with that? I want to know how to read the Bible. I think everybody in this room is equipped at some level, equipped enough, say that, I think so, 
I think everybody in this room is equipped enough to take a baby, brand new Christian, and, and just start to just sit with them and talk about faith and what it looks like to be a Christian. Now, the essence of being a disciple maker starts with being a disciple yourself. So I don't think everybody here is, I mean, I, I know I've got more to learn. We've all got room to grow, but we've got enough to at least start helping somebody down the road. And I believe God's heart is that there, there are people out there in our city in Tallahassee who are desperate to know Jesus, whether they, again, know it or not. So Paul prayed that they be filled with the knowledge of his will generally, and I think specifically. One of the things you see in the Bible is that God has specific will for every single believer. I actually picked up a book. We went to the library yesterday uh, just for fun on Saturday to get some books for the kids back to school and I picked up a book on World War II. I just was interested. I was looking, browsing through and uh, started off pretty good but he actually starts the story of World War II telling the story of a, a young Korean man who was arrested uh, by, or he was captured by American forces in Normandy on D-Day. And trace this man's story, he had been a Korean who the Japanese had drafted into their army and, uh, you know, in their initial waves into China and the mainland and Korea, had been captured by the Russians, the Soviets, in a battle with the Japanese, <clears throat> put in a prison camp, then drafted to their army when they were desperate against Germany. So, and I think he started in 1938 in the Japanese army. In 1942, he was drafted into the Russian army to help defend against the Germans, was captured by the Germans... drafted into their army and put up there uh, on the beaches you know, or, or inland slightly to help defend Germany. Captured by the Americans, sent to Britain to a, a prison camp there and eventually made it to Illinois where he died in 1992, having talked very little about what had happened to him. And the, the author makes the point about how uh, helpless most individuals are Really, the whole world becomes, in the face of these tumults and, and, and world wars, and, and this guy was kind of like the icon of that, you know, the, uh, the perfect example of how this poor guy, minding his own business in Korea, presumably, had just gotten swept up into this global conflict that he had no control over at all, and ends up, you know, living in Illinois and dying there. I don't, we don't know the rest of the story, but... Somehow, God had a plan in all that for that man. It made me think about Joseph in the Bible. Things happening completely out of his control with his family and then uh, getting into Egypt. And in all of that, God had a specific will for his life that he was working out. Part of disciple making is helping people find out what is God doing? Sometimes we don't know. We won't ever really know until we get to be with Jesus every detail of it. But part of it is helping people find what's your specific will for me? Hey, I've been through all this stuff and this is where God's got me today. What is God doing with me now? What is his plan for my life? It says in chapter four here that, that Epaphras was struggling that they might uh, all grow to maturity in their faith. 
Paul talks about maturity uh, in Ephesians chapter four. Kind of same idea that people grow into the full stature, the measure of the manhood of Jesus Christ. And in that context, what he's talking about is that every person in the body would be, would know their specific role and be living in their roles, the parts of the body that are all working together to build up the body, to build each other up till we all attain this maturity together. Everybody in the body of Christ has a general will from God to walk into. This is what it looks like to be a Christian, to be walking worthily of the Lord and a specific will. This is your calling. This is uh, how God's equipped you uniquely to build up the body, to help other people grow in maturity. Part of the prayer for our church right now is, Lord, bring down your Holy Spirit on us as a congregation. Release your gifts and help us to find our callings. Paul wouldn't have gotten to Ephesus had he not been in Antioch, where the church in Antioch was praying together. You could go find this in Acts. They were praying together as a church, praying and fasting and worshiping the Lord, it says. And then the Lord said to the congregation, to the church somehow, and I think it's fascinating to think, how did he say this? Set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work I have for them. That got Paul out on a missionary journey. That was his first journey. I'm praying, Lord, speak to us, guide us. Who are you setting apart for what roles? I think God's raised up a healing community here. I mean, just look at what's happening, a prayer and healing community. Lord, equip us, show us what to do with that. Raise up others, release the gifts. Raise up the people that will go to their neighbors, that will make space and carve out a lunch once a week for somebody. So that's his prayer, that they'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then that's the prayer for new disciples. Then they would be doing the same thing. So as to walk, this is verse 10, in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So God, Paul's prayer is that as they're walking worthily of the Lord, full of the knowledge of God's wisdom, spiritual understanding is that they would bear fruit. And when you look at the scriptures, that really plays out in kind of two dimensions that are interrelated. One is bearing fruit like the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, righteousness, self-control. When we want to look and see our, as a disciple growing, are we growing as disciples? That's really the, the, the bar The burden God's laid on my heart for our congregation is for us to grow in maturity as disciples, really in kind of two dimensions, if you want to make that. One is, is in emotional maturity, which kind of connects with this, the fruit of the Spirit. And then spiritual maturity in the sense of growing in our understanding of the, the Bible. They really go hand in hand, our ability to minister our awareness of our specific calling and ministries. I think God wants to grow up mature disciples here who are making mature disciples. And that happens relationally. 
Paul continues in verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So part of Paul's prayer for new disciples is they be strengthened in power. That's not something we talk about at church very often, is it? Power? At least not every church. God wants new disciples to learn how to, to walk in the power of God that, that we've all been given through the Holy Spirit. I think that's something we as a church need to kind of press into more. What does it look like? What's the, what's the power that God's given us? In this context, seems Paul's really focusing primarily on the power to endure suffering. He says the power... Uh, that you may be strengthened with all power according to, his, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So power to find joy in the midst of all kinds of trials and suffering. I really believe God's been training Holy Cross up in that in spades. We've been dealt a lot of suffering as a congregation, as individuals. I know many of your stories over your lives. Psalm 34, we preached on recently, says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers, them from, delivers him from them all, whereas the wicked will be destroyed by their afflictions. Afflictions, suffering, it's part of life for everybody. It sounds like it's more a part of life for believers. New disciples need to know that. But they need to know we have a power in Jesus Christ to endure that with joy. That we can walk through those trials and see God's kingdom breaking forth. Pretty much any time you read the stories about revival happening, about uh, missionaries going places and it really breaking out and and the, the gospel bearing fruit, there's almost always a connection with those people that are going suffering enduring great trials. It's like God takes his power and he kind of is gonna mediate that through broken vessels. We at Holy Cross should get that. That was through a broken savior who was willing to suffer in the will of the Father that God's kingdom came forth. God wants us to take all of our suffering, all of that's been in the past and all that's present that we're enduring, all in the future, and transform that and use that for his glory, for his kingdom. I think God wants Holy Cross to be a place where people can take their suffering and their pain and connect it to the cross of Jesus and find the gospel, find the power of God breaking forth in their lives and in their communities. I know some of you have had tremendous suffering in your lives. That's rocket fuel for the kingdom of God. What we're tempted to do is to hide from it and to shut it down. I really think God wants Holy Cross to be a place that we're okay with saying, hey, you know what? Here's my brokenness, God. Take it. A lot of us are kind of, we don't want to get emotional in church. I'm encouraging folks, get emotional in church. Let it come. I think the spirit of God is working to say, let let the tears come. 
to take down the walls and say, okay, God, it's all right. It's okay, I want you to come in and, and take this and transform it and use it. That's Paul's prayer for disciples. That the world out there desperately needs. I was a, married, I was a Christian when I was married for a year and it fell apart for Betsy and I. And we were both in tears in separate rooms because of the terrible fight that we'd had, things that I'm ashamed of. But I was like, God, I'm a Christian. I thought we did this the right way. Why is this so hard? And that was the door for me to get to, for the Lord to say, hey, there's a lot more going on here. He was inviting me to take all my suffering and brokenness and he really was using our marriage to catalyze it. To say, all right, now it's time to deal with this stuff because I was pretty, had it together as a single guy. I mean, I didn't, but I didn't realize I didn't. It was being married that really helped me to see I'm really messed up. And I got a long way to go. I think there's a lot of messed up folks out here with a long way to go. There's power for that, that Paul was praying for those Colossians, I'm praying for us. Lord, help us to find the power, to find the joy, to find your kingdom through all that. I really don't think we get to the joy until we go through the pain. I wanna be a church that's willing to go through the pain to get to the joy and to help others connect that and find that. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life, he, in light, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, God, so Paul's prayer there is that in that fullness of, of God's uh, wisdom and will poured out upon them that they'll grasp even more the greatness of what God has done for them transferring them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, allowing them, granting them inheritance with, with Jesus in his kingdom. Lord, give us more of that. Give us more thanksgiving, an awareness of what you've done for us, Lord. I think that's the linchpin there to connect that Good Samaritan story is that when we realize how much mercy God has had on us and the riches that he's poured out upon us, for us, and invited us into, the more that connects in our heart, then the more compassion and mercy we have for those around us. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you are so good. Lord, thank you for Epaphras. Who knows, Lord, some of us might be believers because of somebody that Epaphras taught the gospel to. Because none of us would be here today if it weren't for somebody, Lord, who learned from somebody, who learned from somebody, who backed the apostles, your gospel. Lord, let us not take that for granted or lightly. Lord, let Paul's prayer for those disciples be fulfilled in us that we might grow in the fullness of the knowledge of your will, will for us, Lord, and walk worthily of you, Lord, bearing great fruit. 
for your kingdom. Lord, help us to make disciples. For your name's sake and your glory, we pray, Jesus. Amen.